0: As you can see, our bishop is not with us this evening, but we have no stranger to us tonight. We have a great friend of the ministry, Dr. Ricky Temple from Overcoming by Faith and his wonderful bride, Miss Diane. They are here tonight. So won't you please put your hands together and give a warm word of faith welcome to our good friend, Dr. Ricky Temple, as he comes this evening. Thank you. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, today we come because we understand the power of gathering. The decision to come here tonight is a decision that changes everything for some. Some are here in person, some are here streaming in, some are here, Lord God, on demand, wherever they are, we speak the word of God over their life today. We pray that this would be a moment where their lives would never be the same. Their vision, their life would grow and the power of your word would be strong in their soul today. There are some people in here who need to make a decision. There are some people who are facing a moment in their life that they've been putting off but it's time for them to decide. And so I pray that this is a service. This is a moment when they will have the courage to decide, the courage to stand before you and choose left or right. The decision today can change their life in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. amen. Now, come on, give the Lord a big hand clap if you're glad to be here today. Praise God. I'd like you to go ahead and have a seat, give honor to your bishop and to all of you who are here today, leaders and staff. Today, I want to talk about something that's important. I'm gonna talk about the power of a decision. Every now and then in your life, you come to a moment where you need to make a decision. Nobody can make it for you. Nobody even knows sometimes you need to make this decision because some things we keep to ourselves. But today I, I felt this strong, strong, strong press on my heart to, re, to, to talk about this topic. Repeat it with me, please. Say, it's time, it's time. to decide. There are two men we're going to look at in the bible in these next few minutes both men made decisions both men made decisions that changed lives their decisions would impact people for generations one man is going to make a good set of decisions in a bad circumstance See, sometimes you can be in a bad circumstance and make a good decision. You can be in a bad marriage and make a good decision. And some of you saying, tell me how to do that now. Tell me, tell me what to do. (laughs) I'm in one of those right now. You can be on a bad job, a job that does not have all the perks and all the, the right people. You can be working around some jerks and jerkettes but you can make good decisions and i believe that that's tied to choices you make and in our study today we're going to see paul model for us some good decision making he's going to do this in the book of ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 and in this i want you to notice where he's at because it's really important. Some people think, you know, I can make good decisions if you just gave me a good car. In fact, if I'm sitting in a Lexus or a Mercedes or a Jag or something like that or a Lamborghini, I can really make good decisions in a Lamborghini. <laughs> the assumption is if you're in certain places, you make better decisions. If you had a certain amount of money, if your bank account was at a certain size, now, Lord, I, I make pretty good decisions at 10000 but at a $400,000 a year job, I make some great decisions. Paul is in prison, unjustly in prison. And he decides to write. That's the first great decision. He's in a Roman prison, and he writes the book of Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Philemon. They're all called the prison epistles. Now, you know, some people, when you're in jail for the wrong thing, you know you didn't do it, they wouldn't write anything but hate letters. A Bunch of hate mail, that's gonna write so I'm gonna write a letter, all right. I'm gonna write a letter. I sure am, I'm gonna write one to Caesar. You need to do something about your people. You Got me locked up for nothing. He would write, could have written with an attitude, but instead he made the decision to take a bad moment and make the best out of it. Take a bad moment and turn it around and do something amazing. The letters he writes changed lives for generations, for hundreds of years. The letters he would write in prison in a bad moment would help people come to Christ for years. It would govern churches. It would change countries. It would shake the foundation of the spiritual world because he took a bad moment and made a good decision. So that tells me that you don't have to have great moments to make great decisions. You don't have to have great kids to make great decisions. Here's a big one, you don't have to be married to a great person to make a great decision. Paul understood this is my decision. Now what I like is the way he painted the picture. The picture he painted was phenomenal. He's standing there and he's watching a Roman soldier And while he's watching this Roman soldier, he decides, hmm, I need some analogy, something that would be easy for people to remember. And I want you to see this analogy that Paul uses. And I want you to watch how he builds this model for us of how we need to make decisions. And he really tells us the kind of decisions we need to make. Now, I want you to pause and think with me for a second. He's going to show us the kind of decisions we need to make. Say that with me, please. Come on. Say the kind kind of decisions decisions we need to make. make. Now, remember, we're going to show you right and wrong decision-making here, but I want to show you, if I can, the first thing he says you need to decide to do. As he closes out the book of Ephesus, he says these words, Finally, my brethren, be strong. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now, I want you to think about what that meant. A man in prison writes to the church of Ephesus and says, the first thing I want you to do as I conclude this letter is decide to be strong. I want you to make that decision. Decide that you are not going to be weak. Decide that you're not going to be flimsy. Nobody can decide that for you. People sometimes ask me. They say, "Would you pray for me? What you want to pray for me? What not you want to pray?" A lady asked me. She asked me in London. She said, "Would you pray for me?" I said, "Pray for what?" She said, "Pray for me to be strong." I said, "No." <laughs> I did. I told her no. I said, I'm not gonna pray. "You know, she was quite shocked." She said, "I'm, I'm sorry. What did you say?" I, I said, "No." I said, "I'm not going to pray for you to be strong." She, she said, "She just she was confused." Then you know, she didn't know what to say. I said, because that's not gonna make you strong. Watch this, you ready? Hold your arms like this, you ready? Get your arms ready. Father, give them muscles right now, I pray. In the name of Jesus, let them muscles. This burl, on them, hallelujah. Check it out, see what happened, anything change? You ready, watch this, ready, watch this, Lord. Put your hand on your head, ready? Lord, let them be smart right now, I pray. In the name of Jesus, let them get, get science knowledge, I speak. I speak it right now. Science, they're scientists. (laughs) Nothing's happening, right? You you still, you still, okay. (laughs) Come on, are you tracking with me? Are you tracking with me? Come on, are you, come on people, wait. Are you, that's supposed to clap. Come on, clap, clap. You tracking with me? You get that. It's something, you have to admit, you know, that's not how it works. That, that, you, know, you don't get strong by just praying that prayer. It's a decision, a lifestyle choice. I decide today that I don't want to be weak anymore because I don't like being weak, getting kicked around. I don't like being weak. I want to be strong. I want to be able to move. I, I want that in my life. And I, I, I'm telling you, the older I get, that's a prayer you need to pray. And that's a decision you need to make because I've noticed the older you get, you don't walk, you scoot. <laughs> you know, I'm serious, you do, you do. You know that rock, some of you, now watch, when you, some of the people you hear today, when they get out of their chair, they won't get up, they kind of rock out. I said, Father, I'm 56. I need to do something. I got to run. I got to walk. I have to do something because I'm telling you, it started hurting this morning. It was on me this morning. It was on me this morning, man. It was aching, and I woke up, knee was stiff, and, and leg. You know what I'm talking about? The leg. The devil gets in the right leg sometimes, and you just can't hardly go. You just say, Father, and you speak in tongues. You do whatever you can do. <laughs> and if you if you don't pay attention, and if you don't decide to do something about that. I just got out of the bed. I said, this is not working in the bed. I had to get out of the bed and start moving, jumping around and exercising. And I said, what you doing? I said, baby, I got to move. I got to do something. And, and you see, that's the decision. Now, I could have laid there a little longer and hobbled all day long and scooted. <laughs> Come on, say, decide to be strong. Come on. To be strong. You have to just decide. You always ask somebody to pray for you. I told that lady, no. I said, no, I'm not praying for you. I said, here's what I'm going to give you some advice. Do this, do this. I said, and I gave her some advice. Next year, I went back to London again. She came up to me and said, you remember me? You wouldn't pray for me last year. <laughs> she did. She came up to me again. I said, yeah, I remember you. I told you no. And she said that was the best thing ever happened to me because I made decisions that would make me strong. I decided you got to get tired of being broke. You have to decide, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of, you know, getting stuck. I remember I ran out of gas on the way to church and on the way from church. That's a shame. (laughs) I was with some people and we we was in a car in a big old GTO. You remember those big old GTOs? It was a green, it was horrible. Big old car. And we ran out of gas. I said, what did you put 50 cent in there when we got stuck the first? I decided right then I will never run out of gas again. I was a teenager. we were out there at night pushing that big old heavy car. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, say, decide to, be decide to be strong. Paul looked at that Roman soldier while in jail and saw those muscles and he understood something. That's a decision. He looks like that for a reason. And I'm telling you in your life, you have to make that decision. Second, he said in verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Second decision he said was decide to be fully dressed. Say that with me please. Decide to be fully dressed. Decide to be strong and decide to be fully dressed. Now, you know, that's important because you can put on half your clothes. And if you're not careful, Paul linked it to your ability to manage the, what he calls the wiles or the tricks of the devil. If you're not fully engaged, if you're half engaged, you won't be quite able to manage everything. That's what's wrong with our kids. Our kids are leaving school and they're not fully dressed. They're graduating and they're not fully dressed. So they can't manage the wiles of life. The wiles of life and the wiles of the enemy are going to be there. Tricks and difficulties and traps. But you want to make sure you have on everything you're supposed to have so you can manage all of your life. So Paul said, decide to be strong. Decide to be fully dressed. And this is what I love this verse 12. Decide to accept the reality of your conflict. Decide to accept the reality of your conflict. You know, I love verse 12 because it says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Now, I love that. He said, you know, now I want you to understand that in, in life, you are in a combat situation. Some of you, you you've, been, you've been really frustrated. You've been talking to God and you've been telling God about your problems and singing about it. And a lot of gospel music is, is just, you know, I love it. But, you know, sometimes it's just kind of sad music because you're always holding on to something just coming out of something, going into something. And I want you to understand, God wants you to decide to accept the fact that you are in a wrestling match. That is the reality of your conflict. You are a wrestler. And I think he didn't choose boxing because, you know, with boxing, you know, you move around, you stick and you jab. And karate is real famous, you know, real fast. You know, all that. No, wrestling is, is sweating, hold on. On the ground, rolling around. He said, as a believer sitting in jail, we need to decide to be strong. We need to be fully dressed because this is a wrestling match. And if you're married, you know all about that. Say amen. amen. If you teach in school, it's all about that. If you are a person who deals with the public on a daily basis, you know all about that. It's a wrestling match. And that's the reality. So don't complain. Decide to accept it. I've decided to accept that I'm in a wrestling match. And then I've also decided to stand. I've decided not to complain. I love verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, what do you do? Stand. It's a decision. I'm standing, not moving. I know I'm in a wrestling match. I know, and I'm not moving. I'm standing here, and I'm not going to complain. There's something powerful about people who don't back down, who stand up and say, you know, this is okay, who don't cry and ask God to take away the wrestling match. They understand that's part of it. That's part of the challenge. And believe it or not, every day of my life, I'm back at this verse. Every day of my life I decide to be strong. Every day of my life I decide to go fully dressed. Every day of my life I decide to accept the reality of my conflict. I am a wrestler. I decide, I decide, I decide to stand. That's my decision. When I was a kid I used to go to the wrestling match. A matter of fact I used to work at the wrestling match in Los Angeles and I used to sell Cokes I used to have a little crate, you know, the little crates, the big old crates and the big bottle of Cokes. And I used to, you know, it was the Olympic arena. I used to look up there and somebody way on the top won one Coke. <laughs> I remember that way up on the top. And I, you know, I used to walk out there and say, hey Coke, hey Coke, future Pastor Ricky Temple, hey Coke. And I walk up there and one person walk up there and I walk way up there and they said, no, I changed my mind. I said, no, you're gonna buy this coat today. You're gonna buy this, I come way up here, buy this coat. But when I used to work at the wrestling match, I, you know, I used to see those professional wrestlers, you know, and it was amazing to me to see, and a lot of that banging was real. All that wasn't fake. They were banged up pretty hard and they were acting, but it was, it was, I couldn't do it. And I learned to respect whether it be the the real professional Olympic style wrestling or that kind and I, I looked at that and I thought so Jesus you say I need to learn how to stand when I'm doing that I need to learn how to stand and not complain I need to not be afraid of being banged around a little bit I need I need not be afraid I don't need to ask for deliverance all the time I need to learn that that's okay. It's okay to be banged around, it's okay. And I took this so seriously when I was coming up, I, I decided I wanted to take some martial arts. So I took some martial arts and we was, we used to do what they call ground fighting. I used to get on the ground and my trainer would hold me down and he was, he was 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 he was, he, was, he could fight way better than me, of course. And I'd get down there and I had my son, I called my son to come watch me train. And he'd put me in some hole had me all twisted up. And I was a pastor at the time and he had me all twisted up. And, and he said, well, get free. I said, okay. And I said, I'm trying. <laughs> you know, wrestling is up, is up close and personal. And they have that thing where you tap out, you know, after a while. And he wouldn't let me tap out sometimes. He said, no, keep trying. I said, no, I done tried long enough. I'm try- I've tried long enough now. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, and we must not be wimps. We must stand after we have done all we can. We need to stand. Come on, shout amen if you're hearing me, church. We need to stand up and say I'm not quitting. Those are the kinds of decisions Paul made, the decision that would change everything. But I love the, the next decision he made, which I think is profound in verse 14, because this decision changes everything. See, all the other decisions combat in nature. This one goes way down into your soul. This is what he said in verse, verse 14 Stand therefore, having your waist girded about with truth. He said, You need to be transparent, you need to tell the truth. Make the decision to tell the truth and see how it changes your life. What would happen if you decided that you were no longer going to be a person who was looking one way and living another? Paul sat there and looked at that soldier and he thought to himself, you gotta be truthful. If you're a soldier, be one. And then he said, not only should you be transparent, but you should decide to be righteous. He looked at the soldier and saw this breastplate on him, the breastplate of righteousness. And I I just love this because this is a picture of a guy who understood the importance of making right decisions. Let me ask you something. Are you doing what's right? Are you doing what's right? You know, there's so many times, if you're not careful, you you know what's right, but you don't do what's right. You, you, know, you know, my mama raised me, to be honest, she raised me never to steal, because she used to always say, you know, if you lie, you'll steal. She used to say that to me all the time, don't lie, because if you lie, you'll steal. One day I was in a store, I'm going to confess something, I might have told this before here, but I, I stole something. And no worry, I can't go to jail for it, now, it's, it's been a long time ago, but, <laughs> but I, <laughs> I was in a store and it was a, a honey bun. I talked about it in my book, you've read my book. the honey bun I stole, remember? And I I, I stole that honey bun just to see if I could take it. And I walked outside the store and I felt so bad it wasn't but 10 cents back then. And my mama would have beat me so bad for that little 10 cent thing. And I felt so bad, I went back to the store to give it back or something or pay for it and the store was closed down. And I felt like I'd run them out of business for that honey bun. (laughs) And it's funny, every time I go down that street in LA and I, 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 I still drive by there right now, it's on Hill Street. I still drive down Hill Street to see if I can find the store where I stole the honey bun. <laughs> it wasn't right. It was a small thing, but it wasn't right. Are you living righteously? Paul said, make the decision. Looking at that soldier, he said, you need to put on the breastplate of righteousness. You need to make right choices. And you need to make sure you understand the power of that. Now, that's a guy who models for us the right choices. Now, there's another guy who models the wrong choices. His name was Jonah. Now, I I know I'm going to two extremes because on one hand, you got Paul the Apostle in prison making incredibly right choices on the other side you got a guy in the old testament who only has a few chapters written about his life you almost want to say who cares but god put him in the bible for a reason and I, i love i love the book because and i love the story because the story is one that that reminds me of how you can be a godly person you can be a preacher and you can still make wrong choices. Amen. You are not, you're in no way are you excused from making bad choices because you're religious. Amen. And so I want you to think about this for a minute. This is a prophet, this is a preacher. What is he? A prophet, he's a what? Preacher, what is he a what? A prophet and a what? Preacher. One more time, join me, come on. He's a what? Prophet and a preacher. preacher. Now every time a preacher makes a mistake or does something wrong, we're all confused. But if you read the Bible, they're all over the place. And, and, he, and I think God is interesting because He, he not only sometimes, if, he, if your story is fascinating, he'll write, he'll write about you and publish it. <laughs> and the story of Jonah was so incredible and would help so many people. God decided, I want to make sure everybody learns the story. Without reading it all, let me just give you the highlights of it. This is a guy that God says, I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you with your, which was Israel's arch enemies, and I want you to prophesy to them and I want you to tell them that if they don't change, I'm going to kill everybody in the city. Now, understand, this guy knows God. He's dealt with God long enough and he is clear about a few things. Now, if you're not careful, when you read the book of Jonah, you get a little bit confused because... It starts out with Jonah being told to go do this and then he gets on the ship in chapter 1 of Jonah and he runs from God and so a lot of people you know when they read that they, they take it and say see you can't run from God and they, they talk about how when they want to go into ministry and they're running from God and God is running after them saying no no please come preach for me because I have nobody but you right and so, so that's not what some people like. When I, you know, and I hear these stories, I gag all the time, you know. Oh, I'm running from God. I, I know God really wants to use me. Why? I mean, are you like the only person in the world that he could use? Do you really believe that? that? He's got to chase you down. I really, I, I hate to hear preachers say this, you know, I really didn't want to preach. I really didn't. You know, I really hate it. I just, you know, but I ran from God and he tripped me up and tied me down and held me down and said, you better preach or else. And I finally said, oh, okay, God, okay, okay. (laughs) Can I just flip that for a second? Let's pretend you came to my restaurant. And I said to you, I really hate cooking. I never wanted to cook. I never, ever wanted, but they made me cook. What do you want me to cook for you? (laughs) Nothing. Absolutely nothing you're cooking for me I want you to be a happy cook. I want you to smile in the kitchen. I want you to have one of those things on your head and I'm happy on it. That's what I want you to do. (laughs) Who wants a preacher who don't want to preach? Who wants somebody who's always sad? Who wants somebody? Come on say amen if you're hearing me. Come on people. Come on. Amen. Who wants to be? There's something about understanding that this story in Jonah is not really about a guy running from a call of God. This is a guy with an attitude. And you don't know that until you get to chapter 4. Let me backtrack. Chapter 1, God calls him. He runs, right? In chapter 2 or 3 or so, he gets in trouble. He gets out on the ocean, and the ocean starts, you know, the boat starts being tossed around, and God's kind of, you know, tossing the boat around, and and he's, and all the guys on the boat are unsaved. All the guys on the boat are what? All the guys on the boat are unsaved. Nobody on the boat's saved, but he's the only believer. And he's on this boat, and, he's in, and this guy makes the decision to ignore God. Now, what's interesting is that means that you, a believer, can make the decision to ignore God. Have you? Pause for a second and think about that. Now, let's look at your actions, not your words, your actions. Okay, let's look at your checkbook. <laughs> <laughs> Need I stop right there? I mean, it's really important. It's it's really important. You know, if if I counsel, okay, I'm I'm, going to stay this and run. I'm not going to stay here long. I promise. I'm going to stay this and get right off of it. I've been a pastor for 33, 34, 33 years. And I'm telling you, most of the time, if people are dating, Christian or not, they're, they're, they're doing things they shouldn't do. They're sleeping together, most of them. That's my experience. I assume they are. See how quiet it is? I enjoyed him up until that point. I don't know where he's going now. He's really in my business right about now. Hallelujah. But I mean, they, they, okay. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to come here. But it's true. I mean, they, they, they say one thing, but their lives don't line up with that. Okay, their choices, their decisions don't line up. So, so Jonah, Jonah gets on the boat, right? Jonah's on the boat. He's the only one that is a believer, and everybody else is, is praying to the moon god and the, and the chicken god and all these other gods and the wood god. You know, nobody's, nobody alone, nobody's serving the real god. He's the only one serving the real god. So the boat's tossing and turning. He's sleeping. It's always amazing to me how you could be in trouble and don't know it. <laughs> Haven't you seen people, and they look so bad, and they don't know it? You look at him, you say, you say, hi, who are you? And, and you and you, talk, you want to say, did you look in the mirror? Do you know you're in trouble? You are being judged by God. Look in the mirror right there. You are being judged. Can't you see you're being judged? See, your face don't look like it used to look. So, so this guy, is, he's, he's under judgment and he's sleeping. He doesn't even know it. So the guys wake him up and say, Pray, call, call on your God. Call on your God. Do something, you know, call on your God. We've decided, I'm paraphrasing here, to call upon our God, you need to decide to get up and call on your God. So he gets up and he walks over and says, oh man, I know what's going on. God's trying to get me. Not your God, the phony God. The real God is trying to get me. This is all about me. All about me. Who's it all about? Me. He knows. He, he, he looks at, oh yeah, I'm in trouble. God did this. Okay. And so all of them are saying, now he served the real God. He said, we served the phony God. But well, what in the world are you doing sleeping? And what did you do? He said, well, you know, God told me to go kill some, not kill some people. God, no, he didn't tell him to do that. He told, he, told, he told them to go and prophesy to these people and he told them the story. And so they go, well, what's wrong with you? They get it right away. They look at him and think, wrong decision. If we were serving the real God, now I want you to watch what's happening. They're They're, they're being converted. They listen to his story and for some reason they believe him. Oh, man, we've been serving the wrong God. He's serving the real God. Well, if we were serving a real God like you, we wouldn't do that. We wouldn't make that decision. So, watch what happens. So, these guys decide, this is incredible, these guys decide to, you know, to, you know, to, to help him get to shore. That's what they decide to do. Jonah decides to let them try <laughs> instead of deciding. Okay, this is my fault. Let me just jump in the water and end this. Jonah's not going to commit suicide. He says, "Well, go ahead and see if you can get me to the shore. That'll work. That's fine." It doesn't even say he was rowing with them. So they row, try to get him to shore. They don't make it. Finally, they just decide to pray. They made a decision. We got to cut bait. We got to throw this man overboard ourselves because he's not going to throw himself overboard. So they pick him up. They pray first, Lord forgive us, we're going to kill him. And they pick him up. (laughs) They do. (laughs) And they throw him in the water. Are you with me? They throw him in the water. He goes into the well of a belly for three days. and ends up being, you know, thrown out on the land, goes to Nineveh, and he preaches. It takes all of that to get him to do the right thing. Now, please notice, it took a lot of effort How much effort does it take for God to get you to decide to do the right thing? I know people that were hit by trains. I know people hit by cars. I know people that were in intensive care. I know people who had four or five bad marriages. I can go on and on and on, and it didn't change the decision-making process. They never decided to be strong. They never decided to be transparent. They never decided to put on a breastplate of righteousness. They never, ever decided. Jonah is a guy, I want you to listen to this now. When you read his story, and I'm gonna read a couple of verses and you'll see this, who never decided to do it right. He never did. I I thought about this when I was working on this teaching. This is a guy who never got it. Do you know anybody like that? Let me tell you what's hard. It's hard when it's your child. It's hard to look at your child and say, this one is not going to change. This one's not going to make the right decision. It, it's really tough to say, my brother is a nice person, but if I hang around this person, I am deciding to be poor all my life. I am deciding. It's tough, it's tough. But this, that's the way this guy is. So here's the deal, he goes to Nineveh, he preaches like God told him, and God forgives everybody. The king of Nineveh hears the message, repents, he makes the cows fast, he does everything he can, he is sorry and changes. Jonah hits the roof. Chapter 4 of Jonah, if you can find the book, (laughs) verse 1. After they were forgiven, here's what he said. It displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. Notice the decision-making process. He's not happy because somebody else is doing well. Can I ask you why why you're frustrated because somebody in your family makes more money than you? This guy Jonah, the people in Nineveh have decided to change. Give him a break. Yo be why isn't he happy for them? Here's what he said. This is important. So he prayed, he prays, verse two. He prayed to the Lord and said, This is Jonah chapter 4, verse 1. All Lord, was not this what I said when I was in my country. You see, now now he takes us back to chapter 1. This is why I did what I did when I was in my country. You want to know why I ran? I didn't run because I didn't want to preach. I didn't run because I was scared of the ministry. Here's where I ran. I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness. That's where I ran. I know you're one who relents or changes your mind from doing harm. Therefore, now, O Lord, please take my life. I'd rather be dead than to live and watch these people do well. Who are you that angry with? You know, you, you see somebody and, and they pick themselves up and they're strong and doing well. Do you go, oh, oh, I see. You are uppity now. Uh-huh. Got on clean clothes and everything. Who is it that you just don't want to do well? See, these were, the Ninevites were Israel's enemy. He decided to hate them. Have you made that same decision? Then there's somebody in your life you will never, ever forgive for any reason, no matter what they say or do. So your last husband was a jerk, but the man has changed. He's gotten older, he's changed, and you still make it hard to see his kids. She has changed. She's not on drugs. She's not stealing TVs anymore. She's not lying. She's trying (laughs) to change. And you still call about what she used to be. You know, I always love the story, and one day I may need to teach on Rahab for you because they didn't just call her Rahab. They called her Rahab the harlot even though she changed. People refer to you about what you used to be. Is that the decision you've made? To be this angry woman, this angry guy, this angry person for the rest of your life? No matter what anybody does. No matter what anybody says. This is your decision. So he sits there and he becomes this really incredibly stubborn guy. And if I can tell the rest of the story quickly, he sits there on this hill, and he waits, hoping God will kill him. And he gets him a little, and God allows him to get this little plant, and he sits under the little plant, and the little plant, God allows it to grow over his head, and he feels some shade. Okay, thank God. God gave me a little shade here, and I hope God's going to change his mind and kill him. So he's sitting on top of the hill, looking all over Nineveh, hoping God's going to kill him. Who are you waiting for something to happen to? That preacher that you don't like, disappointed, who are you waiting? You're hoping God's gonna get them and you, you know, it, it, it's really, we have to be careful how we think. I've been to a couple of movies and if I'm not careful when I'm watching Bonnie and Clyde, I want them to get away. <laughs> I'd be cheering for the bad people, you know. <laughs> oh, run, run now. Hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. They're the bank robbers. You can get on the wrong side of an attitude real fast. You can get on the wrong side of a spirit real quick. You can become, if you're not careful, a person who's lost track of what you're cheering for. He was cheering for them to be in prison, to be killed, slaughtered. He didn't want them to survive. But God had a question for him in chapter 4, verse 9. And I love this, God said to Jonah, here's my final scripture for the night. Is it right for you to be angry? You're mad about a plant, the plant that had grown over his head, the Lord allowed it to just fall apart. Then he got mad again, because now his son was beating him on the head and he was hot. Well, the first thing, you shouldn't have been sitting there on a mountain waiting for people to die. Is it right for you to be this angry? Is it right for you to be same? Do you have a reason? Maybe you're angry tonight and you've not made the decision to be strong and let it go. You've not made the decision to be transparent and tell the truth. You're ignoring it, covering it over with spiritual words. but The real truth is you're angry. Some of you men, the reason you're so quiet sometimes reason our boys are standing on the corner with that mean scowl on their face. They're angry, they're angry, mad with the daddy, mad with life. Teacher sent me a text today. She said, I want to quit my job. She told a student to do something, and he said, I don't give a blank, and he cussed. And began to say words to her and she just said, I don't wanna do this anymore. I sent her a note back. You just met somebody today, sister, who's lost hope. You met somebody who has no faith in their future. Don't give up on him. Is it right for you to be the same, Hiding behind relationships, Drugs, yeah, yeah, frustration, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're angry. Maybe you should make a decision. Maybe it's time for you to decide. I'm letting that go. I look back in my life and I can think of so many things I could be angry about. But I've decided to follow Jesus. I've decided to let it all go, and I want to know if there's somebody here tonight who wants to make that kind of decision, the decision to let it go, the decision to say I refuse to live with that weight on my shoulder one more day. I want you to stand with me, please, for just a moment. Put your Bible down, stand with me, whether you're here or home or watching or where you're watching. Some of you may be watching from Savannah tonight. Wherever you are, you stand. And I want you right now to think with me for a moment. Wherever you're watching from around the country, if you're in a place you can stand, I want you to think with me. Are you in a place where you know it's time for you to decide? You've been putting off the decision that you need to make today. Today, you can say, I choose to be strong. Stronger than that issue. Stronger than those problems. The pastor said something to me one time that was profound. I, I, I enjoy it when I think about it. He said, My father was wise enough to look beyond our frustration and challenge us to do certain things. He looked beyond it. You've got to look beyond some people around you, you've got to decide to look beyond their frustration. You've got to decide to look beyond their immaturity. You've got to make that decision. You've got to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You know God has shown you some things. You need to be strong today and say, I will not allow myself to live in this place another day. With every hand lifted, Father, today, this is the day. Men decide to serve you. This is the day. Men say, Jesus, come into my life. and Be the Lord of my life. This is the day when people decide to let it go this is the day that husbands and wives throw out the strife and they decide to forgive each other this is the day that they decide to release their parents this is the day they decide we're going to change our finances this is the day we make the decision no more hiding we're going to be transparent no more in the name of Jesus we're going to go out of here fully dressed ready to take on the world with confidence believing that our God has our life in his hand. And I cannot be defeated. Hallelujah. I cannot be defeated. Come on, clap your hand, church. I cannot be defeated. In the name above all names. Hallelujah. And so, God, we praise you today. Something will be on us tomorrow that will surprise me. Where we were indecisive, we will become decisive. I want you to look this way before I close, before I, I finish this. I, w- I want to I tell you something I didn't say to you. There are three reasons why people don't want to make a decision. Number one, they're afraid of failing. Number two, they're afraid of offending. And number three, they're afraid of being isolated. I'm going to pray and close this prayer out, but I want you to know you're already failing if you haven't decided. You're already offending your future and those you lead around you, your kids, your employees because you won't decide to lay off positions that do not work anymore. You're offending the health of your company because you can't make that choice. You are hurting yourself, isolating yourself, putting yourself in a place. I can look back at my life and I can remember I was, I didn't want to, I didn't want to do it. And I end up hurting myself. Now I want to close this prayer out because I want you to release that today. I'm not going to be afraid of failing. I'm not going to be afraid of offending. I'm not going to be afraid of being isolated. I'm not going to be afraid that people are going to not like me because if I don't do anything, I will be isolated. So Lord, today people will leave here with confidence and faith. They'll seek good counsel. Their heart will be open. There'll be new people, strong people who decided to be strong. I thank you for the opportunity, Lord God, to impart your word to them today. And I speak blessing and strength of their life in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, thanks for having me.